Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Progeny Podcast. Today I am joined by Al Haj Amir Taqi. Amir needs no introduction, and I have had the honor of working with Amir for nearly 10 years. Amir co founded Ahl al Bayt TV in 2009, and he worked as the executive director until 2019. Today he provides production solutions and media strategy to different organizations. Amir Taqi, Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining uh, the Progeny Podcast. Um, you're a very busy man. Not, uh, not as busy as you. La la, Allah, not busy at all. Well, um, alhamdulillah, um, I've known you for a long time. In fact, I've known Amir from the first day he came to this country, I think, or the first maybe month. The first, yeah, the, probably the first week. The first week, um, because believe it or not, we were neighbors uh, in Maidavel. We lived in the same block um, And alhamdulillah That's when their family relationship started uh, Mothers and fathers are good friends Alhamdulillah 266 um, I can't believe you know that <laughs> That's my telephone number 266 yeah. oh, oh. you, you know that number maybe Because when you're in trouble You call that number You were told <laughs> I used to call you When I used to call you To speak to you Your dad has a voicemail Assalamu alaikum. This is Ali Masoud. Two six six oh five eight three. He has to say the number. That's the number. That's how I remember. That's Allah. Thirty years ago? No, twenty five years ago. Yeah, close. Getting a bit older. Don't do it. Ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, that's right. Around those, though. and we went to the same primary school, and then that's right. Different secondary schools, obviously. But, um, and we have. I wanted to ask uh, first about you know why you obviously I know, but for our listeners, you know why the move to. England and London why did your family decide to come here so my dad in in the early 90s decided to move to uh, leave Syria we had lived in Syria since the uh, um, mid 80s we had migrated from Kuwait where I was born and we lived in Syria for um, a number of years and uh, towards the end um, towards the end of the 80s and early 90s my dad decided to move to London, uh, primarily because of educational reasons, obviously the UK better. But more more interestingly enough is that my dad was involved heavily in politics and uh, he felt that um, after the 91 uprising, there's a lot of Iraqis that had left Iraq and came to Syria and there was a lot of Ba'thi infiltration. So he felt, um, well, they caught somebody who was trying to put poison in his tea. Mm. And there was there was feeling unease at that time, so it could either be an assassination attempt or it could be disturbance or it could, basically he felt that this place is not for me, and he decided to he said look it's better that we all go we need a change of scenery this is getting a bit overwhelming as a country, and obviously you know London is a better state of living better conditions, and that's why we moved. And obviously you were in Syria because. You fled the Ba'athist regime. Yeah, my father and my mother um, had a dramatic experience uh, in Iraq before getting married. They were uh, thrown out of Iraq uh, in the early early eighties and towards obviously late seventies, where anybody who they felt um, had had um, Iranian kind of descendants. Even though my parents, both of them, uh, they had Iraqi passports, they've lived there for many years. My born in Iraq, born in Iraq, even my great grandparents. But they were accused of having Iranian relations. My grandfather was in the army. My father also had to be in the army as part of the duty. But they came to arrest um, my mum. My mum's side was arrested, and they were uh, taken to prison. And anybody under eighteen from the male side 
was kept in prison. Over 18 was was um, taken away. And obviously till now, um, three of my uncles and two of my aunties from my dad's side and my <coughs> mom's side um, were incarcerated and they were um, they were executed. We found out later in the late 80s they were killed. So obviously there was a there was a huge um, uh, campaign by the Ba'ath Party to undermine anybody who they felt was too religious or had Iranian descent or was part of a political party, and they were killed, executed, incarcerated, um, you know, you know, and um, effectively wiped out. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll ask. I don't want to ask this later, so I'll ask it now before I forget the question. How much of uh, that? Affected Amir Taqi today What Amir is today How much of that Knowing that Okay I've got two aunties From my Father's side Executed uh, Three uncles From my mother's side How much of that Had had an effect On you If any So I vividly remember In the late 80s I walked into my parents house um, Living in Syria um, We were in a third floor flat I walked into the room And uh, as soon as I saw My mum she had just fainted in front of me. And I didn't know at that time, being eight or seven years old, what was going on. But it was uh, very dramatic to see um, your mother faint in front of you. In front of you. Um, and I was like, I don't understand why at that time, but I found out later, that's the time she found out that her brothers were killed. Or she found, and the news reached her. Obviously, we don't know exactly when that happened. Um, but uh, that was for me uh, kind of... Um, Kind of growing up in a place where there was a lot of emotion, there was a lot of um, uh, kind of missing missing your loved ones, and the sacrifice that a lot of the um, Shia communities, a lot of Iraqis that who had been thrown out, all lived under Saddam, just gave gave me and gave everyone around me the impetus to be able to serve the community at large, and to um, do well for everybody. I remember. Um, a few months back, um, I was asking people, I was doing a, a documentary on, on prisoners in Iraq, and that group of, of people that were um, taken, they, uh, we understand that they were killed in three separate ways. So they either were used um, as, a, uh, as, as mind-clearing uh, individuals, so they would walk on areas where there was mines, so for the Iraqi army to move forward, there's been a lot of mines that have been installed. So for them to clear it, they would send so, uh, prisoners ahead. And the prisoners have to step on the mine. Obviously, they don't know which, where the mines are, but for to clear the area. And so that's one way that they, those prisoners were killed. The other way um, is they were tested on using chemical weapons. So there's a lot of chemical training or chemical testing at the time. And uh, instead of, you know, the Ba'ath regime... You know, they must have done it on animals, but at the same time, they done, done it on people to see how people react to to these chemicals. And the final thing is that they were they were their bodies was used or their limbs were used um, to support the soldiers that were fighting in Iraq. So blood transfusion, um, uh, uh, organs that need the, that need to be exchanged. Because obviously, when you have transplant, yeah. when you when you're alive, your your organs are still useful, and so they were used. To supplement the existing soldiers, so it's very horrific, really, um, and very saddening. Um, but it just it just shows the sacrifice that you know your predecessors went through, and especially, obviously, the Ahl Bayt and and how they um, fought to persevere religion. And then it comes to us, and you know we live in very comfortable lives, and we you know we can be we can do more 
to do, you know, to serve our community. And that's why it really gives me the impetus to do so. So it had a big impact. Of course. Coming to, you mentioned service. Um, you From a young age, you dedicated yourself to serving the community. And you mentioned, you know, the passing away of your uncles and family members uh, encouraged you to serve. Uh, how did you go about serving? What was the first thing you remember when it comes to serving your community? So I, I remember when I was a uh, when I was young in Syria, mm. I used to help out in cooking mm. every Muharram. Uh, I don't know people when they go to Iraq, they'll see they put out um, firewood. Mm. Um, in the streets and they put two blocks next to the firewood and they put a huge pot of rice and they cook the whole day so there's like 10 of them mm. lined up outside and um, they cover the pot with a tray and they put more coal on top mm. to cook it from both sides mm. and I remember I was in, I used, we used to I used to help the man when they used to slaughter the sheep um, yeah it's a bit <laughs> traumatic a bit <laughs> yeah so we had to obviously use the meat and but <laughs> that's quite trauma. You know, someone yesterday, subhanAllah, someone I won't mention their name, someone yesterday told me when they were eight years old, they went back home. And when they went back home, it was Eid al Adha. So they slaughtered the sheep. Ha, huh, before that, it was Eid al Adha. So they had the sheep in the house. So this person started playing with the sheep. They made friends with the sheep. They're <laughs> playing with the sheep. They're playing with the sheep. They're now best friends with the sheep. They're only eight years old. And then they slaughter the sheep. And then afterwards, they, they give him the meat and they said, you know, this is the... That's a <laughs> so it was for that. I turned ve- vegan after that. Vegetarian, oh God, not yeah, me. Yeah, that happens. If you see a bad slow... <laughs> now, that didn't affect me, alhamdulillah. I was okay. eating meat quite extensively <laughs> afterwards. But what was funny afterwards is that the man gave me a bag um, which had the kidneys and the liver and the... Galob, which is... Galob, and he says, he goes, take, take it to the sheikh, sheikh's house. And the sheikh's house, he said, through an area which was very deserted. So I would go carrying a plastic bag full of meat, blood, blood-ridden bag, and then it's leaking, and the dogs run after me. <laughs> la 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 la. That was traumatic. That was traumatic. For, yeah, alhamdulillah. You know, in Syria, I was um, a star at that time. But when I came to London, I got involved more uh, as kind of you know attending the community. We did, I went to attend the yak. Um, Rasulullah Adam at the young age when they never had a center, we used to go there. Um, they used to have a house, and then they bought a place. And I was involved in the mosque quite early on. Um, doing lots of activities for young people, football training, youth lectures. Um, that we had a youth magazine called Youth Today. Um, it started off as a four-page uh, newsletter, ended up to be you know a twenty-four-page magazine, which was we circulated five thousand copies around the country. I had about three or four years of doing this almost. It was quarterly, every every four, every three months, and uh, that was a good experience because at that time there was nothing in English, hardly anything in English, and that was a good opportunity to engage with different writers we were editing the content um and publishing it into you know print format that was you know now i don't think that's relevant but back then to have something in your hand was very profound people were like wow that's, that's amazing and uh, i grew up in a center where everything was arabic traditional karbalai you know centered around you know husseini traditions and rituals and stuff and whatnot but i thought you know we need something different here we need to speak the language of the people and you know that was the first kind of real you know proper big project that i undertook or got involved in there, there was a picture a photo circulating i don't know if this was before the press or 
of you filming and you got a camera and Basim's reading I think that was like the early 90s so me filming maybe yeah I don't know you're standing next to a camera uh, I was doing a lot on probably yeah you were doing a lot of and you you were standing next to a yeah, camera yeah, yeah. so you were always involved in the media side from a very young yeah, age yeah I mean having a magazine for me it was about telling stories how could I speak to you in a way that you understand how could I speak to the other brothers the way they understand and storytelling is the most is the is the core of why enjoy and what you enjoy as well telling stories speaking to people so now we're telling stories right? yeah. we're talking and we're relating how things happen and for me it was about at that time it was maybe magazine tomorrow was camera the day after podcast audio animation it doesn't matter it's about how can you tell a profound and important story to someone else the way they understand it the way they can consume it in the best way possible and that's you know that's what kind of you know yeah i was i i, I used to f- think these are just tools tomorrow you have the metaverse you have you know you're buying land in the metaverse you convert that into a exhibition you, you know it's crazy but uh it's about storytelling and that's what i love the most I and mean, even with documentaries and filmmaking it's the same thing it's about telling a story so well that people when they listen to it they understand it and you know you see this you know the best the best speakers in the world um be it shia or sunni are very articulate in their nature it's not about having knowing the most traditions or knowing the most verses it's about how well can you tell a story how you deliver that story. how you deliver that story is you know how can you deliver that in the best way possible that people can engage with um and you know you have maraja that are not very articulate but they're very knowledgeable and so storytelling here at the core of it is how you can deliver that story in the most impactful way and i just i just i just enjoyed that in that format in 2009 uh you won went on to co-establish uh one of the first if not the first actually uh exclusively english uh muslim shia channel um how did that come about how did you start ahl bayt tv So I was involved with uh, I was uh, so Said Mehdi Mudarisi came to London in um I think 2007. Was Haraka before this or after this? Haraka was before. Okay, maybe we should speak about Haraka first. We should speak we should speak about uh Amra by the way. Oh, so Amra was before. Amra was like 05. Ah, okay, yes. Amra was the one that you got arrested in. Beaten up, arrested, yeah. raped as it called. <laughs> as 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 Wikipedia mentions. Yeah. So Umrah was 2005. I think so, yeah. Uh, how you organized that trip? Yeah, me, Mustafa, um Field. The, yeah, so we had before that two trips before that. So we this was Muhammad, now the Muhammad, third trip. Muhammad Qazwini uh, was the organizer. I th- sorry, the um, the imam or the religious leader. Said Ammar came with us a few few times as well once, I can't remember. But we organized Umrah trips and uh, this year, that year specifically we took both women and men and women you know we wanted to have a give opportunity for so sisters. other other times you were it's just, just boys yeah just boys very you know surya relaxed yeah very relaxed very you know boyish um but this time we wanted to take our sisters with us and you know we couldn't get any speakers said juad kazwini came with us and we had a very famous there's a video on youtube of say juad kazwini in the umrah trip have you seen it no okay i'll show you there's a video of him in masjid al-shajara 
What's he saying? What does he say? Doing the talbiya. Huh, maybe. maybe. I think Muhammad Adha Khazraji's YouTube page. Maybe. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, there is a lot of footage. Yeah, there's that this, hasn't come out yet. Yeah, yeah. We well, saw it on YouTube. Well, we had a camera with us, um, you know, pranks and uh, everything else that all w- sorts. wasn't supposed to happen. But we had an altercation, um, and that led to, you know. Uh, that's what you're going to call it an altercation. Yeah. <laughs> it was more than that. Yeah, it, was it was all over the news. Yeah, I'm. It was, you know, say it was. I remember it was. It was quite big. Let's say, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was. It got about. It got out of hand. To be honest with you, uh, and we were very. Oh, you know, we were scared, honestly, because we didn't know what could happen. This and lucky to come out of that. Yeah, we we thought something's gonna happen, and we were very worried that you know someone can get abducted, someone can get arrested. We had. Uh, issued a court We had issued a case Against uh, the person That was That hit us Because um, we only got arrested So uh, 2005 You've gone to Umrah You've had a fight In the In the, in the Masjid al-Haram So Sayyid Sayyid uh, Jawad Was uh, Taken by the police For um, Reciting dua No He was telling the people He said You shouldn't insult The Shia This was um, In the Hajr al Someone was uh, Insulting a Shia woman And a boy and he stood up for them. He said, why are you doing this? It's not acceptable. So they took him. They we were sitting them. down. We're just sitting on the side of the haram. And we said, oh, you know, we got to help this guy out. Me and Mustafa Field and all the, the boys rallied around. About 15 of us, 15, 20 of us boys. And the girls, we stayed behind. And he said, don't let them take me into the basement of the mutawa, which is the people that enjoy good and forbid evil. He goes, these are peace people are aggressive. So we said, don't take him. We want the police station instead. The police are, more, you know, the state officials. They're regulated, you know, civilized. We said, fine. So we took him. We we went with him. We're escorting this. Uh, you know, he's been reprimanded. And he's been taken. They took him to the cell inside the haram. So we haven't left the vicinity of the haram. He takes. Ta- he's he's taken inside. So I wanted to go with him. The police officer said, no, you can't come in. I said, I want to go in because he's, I'm the group leader, and I want to be with the guy. He's he's under my responsibility. You're 21 here. Probably, yeah. 21 Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. 21 20, years old Yeah The way you think No, it will, I mean, it's different Yeah, the 21 year olds now It's just different Each maturity is different Yeah For, I said, I'm the group leader I'm going in, sorry He goes, no, you can't He goes, a few minutes will be out Just wait outside Yeah, just wait outside And the room, when I looked inside It was only three meters length And maybe two, one meter, 1.5 wide It wasn't very mm. Although I looked up this way And I could see a cell A prison cell on top of a stairs staircase that looked a bit weird but anyway we were outside in the space of about a minute all we heard was loud screams like shouting of pain and anguish and like, i said what what is going on and so you rushed in the room i automatically i felt like a urge out of control to see what's going on not that i wanted to go inside and you know but i wanted there's a rush in me maybe it's like you know this is a friend, it's someone's like ha- something help. happened, something urgent. I need to go in and see what's happening. Otherwise, um, you don't know. This guy's he could be getting stabbed. You don't know. So, and obviously, there's a soldier there at the door. We just, it was all sub, nothing was pre planned. It was something just, um, and normally I'm a very kind of uh, reserved person. I don't really do things like that. I don't really engage in, in an altercation unless, you know, there's something really dramatic. 
And you know me personally. So I don't really. I'm not the type of person yeah. to say, you know, let's have a let's have a fight. Yeah, but you you heard someone crying out in pain. I heard something, and it just overtook me. And any person in that position was on the same thing. So I moved the soldier out of the way. He was very um, light in his physique. So just <laughs> moved him out of the way. Just moved him out of the way. Shoved him out of the way. <laughs> yeah, and as you do, stormed into the place, and I saw the sage with a huge red mark on his forehead. He is either being punched or they th- a stapler on his head. Something happened where he's got some kind of, he's being physically assaulted. And at that time, you know, had, after being reassured in a polite way by the police officers that, that gonna everything come. is going to be okay, we felt betrayed. You know, felt betrayed that how could you hit him and you don't have no right to hit anybody. It doesn't matter what he's done or what he said, you cannot hit, hit somebody. So as we did that, as we, we ra- uh, I, I said, how dare you hit this guy? What has he done to you? We are here, your visitors and stuff. As this was happening, I turned around, there was 20 police officers in that place. Mm. There was like a huge Royal Rumble, you know, like a, these WrestleMania. So, and there's, they were arresting us and they were trying to, you know, reprimand us and cuff us. And, and at that time- Unattended to a Royal Rumble. Yeah, so it became, it was like eight of us and the rest of the guys, they had, you know, they were outside. But in that time, they closed the door and they kept eight people inside the room. Um, and we were just, um, it was, a, it was a, we were outnumbered, but obviously we weren't fighting. We didn't engage. We didn't hit people. You're just Purposely. defending yourself. We're, not even that. We're just basically saying, why are, what are you doing and what right do you have? These guys, they thought, saw it as a threat and they basically became very physical. They start hitting young children there was this guy who was almost 15 years old he's been hit his kids they were getting beaten up honestly it's, it's shocking this guy's a police officer big police officers they're hitting kids and and at the end when we were all shouting and screaming and seeing what are you what's going on <laughs> what's happening doesn't make sense it really is still shocking and um this guy he came and he grabbed me by the by the scruff of the neck i was wearing dishdasha why dishdasha he grabbed my scruff of the neck and I said, what are you doing? And then he picked up his walkie-talkie, you know, the chunky one, and it s- smashed it on my head. And when he did that, I felt like, basically, it's like that was a tranquilizer. Just sit down, you know, relax. Because it's going to get, it's gonna get physical. The more you raise your voice, it's going to get out of control. And um, this, this police officer came in who had a distinctive, long, long, scruffy uh, black beard. And he was, he was wearing army attire, but he also had short-length trousers, which, which kind of indicates that he's... Uh, of Wahhabi, you know, kind of, um, um, you know, he follows a Wahhabi school of thought, for well, example, because yeah. um, they wear short length trousers, but he had long beard, very scruffy, and he was slightly overweight. And he came to each one of us, and each one of us is, uh, you know, it's kind of like being held pinned down by someone. He came to one of us, he just slapped us, full slap, you know, that the Bati style, the one that you, your ring, your ears would ring. Um, yeah, and he says, like, into Kuffar. So you're British Because we said we're British And you know That is the kind of a thing to say To get security assurance in Britain, you, Save yourself It didn't work <laughs> That increased the The veracity of the Of the slap So we were getting slapped Each one slap each By a nice A solid Pure connect slap Each one of us on. eight, eight of us Everyone got a nice slap And every And then he came to me I was the last one He slapped me And it was a he, he his hand connected to behind my ears and his his palm was right on my lower you know full on full on i got up start shouting at him full like the loudest voice i can muster i was like how dare you and i was like you know why are you doing this and then 
nothing happened. So basically, we were like, this guy's shirt is ripped, this guy's bleeding from his head, this guy's glass is broken, he's got cut on his eyes, you know. Um, and by that time, you know, we were, and this is getting serious because, yani, this is a uh, very serious, and you've entered the police station. We went, um, police officers came, um, senior guys, and said, what's going on? They took us to a bigger station, and they said, you know, you guys, um, you encroached into a police station, and that's a federal, that's an offence. And that's um, two years in prison. You went inside a police station. We said, yeah, you guys beat up our senior religious credit cl cleric. So, you know, he goes, no, uh, the, the button, the button of a police officer, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If, if one button is yeah, yeah. off his shirt. If a shirt button, of a, sh a button of a shirt of his shirt is ripped. Of an officer. You have big problems. So, we were, we said, sorry. They literally scared you. Yeah, too. they tried to scare us, but we lifted, we raised a case. So we wrote down everything, everything that happened. And uh, this was, this was like 8 and 8 p.m., 9 p.m. when we started the altercation. By Fajr, we, they took me back to the hotel to get all the passports of everybody. So mm. I had to go back by myself in the car. Police escort. Let's go back to the hotel. The rest of the group are in the hotel yeah. now? No, the hotel is still in the police station. Everyone? The eight. Oh, no, no, I'm saying go about the rest of the We group. don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what's going on. They've, they've figured out their own way. They've gone home. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. <laughs> the eight people that were arrested, they kept us on a station. They said, Emir, you go with the police guy, not by yourself, and get your passports. So I went to the police, to the reception. I said, give me my passports. He said, what names? This, this, this. With the police officer, with me. The eight passports. Eight passports. I'm not free to do what I want. Mm. And this is Fajr time. People are praying. There's the roads are closed. Yeah, and it's not like a Taqwa hotel when that road down the alley mm. we got the passports came back um, and that time because of the police to the hospital you've not made any phone calls or you can't make no. any as soon as we came out of the, the police station go to the hospital um, we started calling the uh, my that, that time my dad was a member of parliament in Iraq and generally he's involved in politics so everybody that we whoever we knew Call British embassy person. American embassy Iraqi embassy every person we knew we called in your network we just called and said we're in, we had we said we're in prison they're gonna, gonna get executed they're gonna execute us we're gonna die help us help us brother. And that's when it was brought up in the Iraqi parliament for there was a press release in the Iraqi yeah. parliament um yeah. and so when we went to the, in that space of one hour one and a half where we got a phone basically we we they took us to the hospital they checked us up the guy who hit us he came bandaged up he said i've got a broken hand he's got a broken hand I'm finished. And he so just put, scratched his hands here, all bleeding. He goes, you guys, did sort of the officer. So guy, you hit us. That's like, nah, it's your fault. You did it. So by the time we came back to the police station, we saw a huge GMC outside the police station. Massive. White. Beautiful. Clean. GMC. Clean. So walked in, there's a massive guy standing there wearing a white robe, very clean. He had gold cufflinks and like a silver glasses but he looked he looked higher up it's not the usual guys we're seeing in the area and he says come into the office so he took us into the office AC he brought us drinks of water he sat us down he goes Trying on to behalf of the prince of Jeddah Mecca and Medina Flan Filtan whatever his name is this guy would like to apologize for you for your for your for your grievances and for your problems and we you're free to go 
to you are our friends and, and we my love son, you. You're not kafar anymore. Yeah, you guys are good guys. We love you. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Yeah, kiss. We'll and then on. we said we want to go home. Now it's like go home. If you're free to go, but this is your this is your country. These are just these are Indians who did this to you. We mistake poly- happened. Mistake happened. Oh, a bit. So we're like, you know what? Just go home. Let's go to sleep. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's your watch. She doesn't understand. Yeah, I don't blame the watch for not understanding that. Yeah, for, yeah, this guy was talks to me for some reason. Anyway, um, we went home really, and um, uh, the American embassy pulled Sayyid Juad out immediately. They said we don't, we can't trust risk it. it yeah. So we were left with no s- cleric, s- cleric, and then we just spent the last four days alone. But uh, the girls were worried because they thought something's gonna happen to them. Yeah, that's not the the guys were worried. We just want to come back home now. We want to come back home, but we can't. People paid for the tickets. You know, they, they paid for an Umrah trip, and we. And so I said the next day, I said whoever wants to go Umrah, let's go. So I took let's a group of home. six, seven people, and we went to Masjid Shajara and no, the Miqat outside. Um, yeah, no Masjid Shajara. Miqat is outside Mecca. We did the Ahram. Ahram came back. Did our Amal came back, and we saw the guy that. But anyway. We have nothing to, you know, we've got nothing to hide, nothing to worry about. But there was a sense of fear. There was a fear, anxiety, yeah, fear. Sure. That time, someone contacted the BBC and said, Shia Muslims, they've been, been, targeted. been targeted and the BBC run the story and they started to pick up, gain momentum. Yeah, this was, BBC you know, the people, the people that we spoke to said, look, let's escalate it. I said, guys, we're still in this country, man. If something let's happens go to back us, home, yeah. Let's go back home. Goes, no, we have to do it now. Otherwise, I said, we're still here. What if something happens to us? Like, don't worry, be safe. So we we did nothing, but people there they started relaying the story, they started narrating the concept, the story, the the news article, and then it started to pick up traction. We don't know what's going on. We just get messages, people messaging us, people calling us from Iraq. You know, this guy says, "Don't worry, we're with you." But you know, whoever whoever had a grievance with Saudi Arabia, we became the, their role model. Yeah, become you know, go fight. I said, we just want to go home. There's a funny story in the airport. So we called the embassy. We called the British embassy. We want to leave. Tomorrow is our names on the banned list because because we've raised the case, we're not allowed to leave the country. So yeah, you already. So we have launched a case against Flan X. You can't leave the country if you have a case against somebody. Not allowed to leave. So we thought we're gonna get arrested in the airport. And you know, traditionally, you can't get a visa for a woman. She has she has to have a mahram. So what people do is that you have a visa and you bring three of this is my wife, this is my sister. They don't even know who they are. I just see different people. Just stick them together. I don't know if you say that, but anyway, like, <laughs> too late. <laughs> Mahrams, yeah, you have Mahrams. I got four sisters and three wives. Just put them in six of. So if I had been kept in, these guys can't leave. These girls. So you'd be in big trouble now. So I have seven. Yeah, I have. We have. We're eight of us. The whole group will stay behind, basically. So we called the embassy. Said, "No, your name is not on the list." We called. Everything's fine. We still have anxiety. She yani You just want to get. You got to go home because this is a country. It's not like yani, you're not having a fight with some guy in the streets. This is a country, and these guys can. They're ruthless. A Shia, a they're ruthless, Yanni. They're ruthless. They can do anything to you. You don't know. And uh, yeah, long story short, we're in the airport. So one of the guys that we know, and you know him very well, I don't mention his name, he gave his passport to his wife. So they passed the security checks, his, his passport to his wife. Then she went to check in, passport to his wife, it's fine. But then she went to the security, the final security check, where you're going to duty free. He's still walking around talking to different people. His wife has got his passport, he went through. She's gone almost to the to the gate. He doesn't have his passport. He's walking around, just having fun, whatever he's doing. He's realized his wife has the passport. passport, he's gonna fly off without him. For he jumped over the rails, <laughs> running like a madman <laughs> to, to get his passport back. And everyone's like thinking, all the people goes, what are you doing? And we had 30, 
police was running after yeah, him. The extra like, drama. They tackled him. And I was like, oh, so I'm looking around. This guy's been jumped by 30 people. I was like, they've caught us. They're coming for us. Because this guy wasn't arrested, but they probably just found him on the camera. I was like, this is, we gotta go now. So I just did this, you know. So I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready, take me down. It's like, my passport is like, I said, bro, please, Habibi, and they were already stressed out. Let's take it easy. Not the right time to yeah, drop like, over I'm, the barrier. He's like, just focus with us. Yeah, alhamdulillah, we got back, people with flowers, I had a press conference, it was all... Yeah, I remember, yeah. remember. It was all out of control, alhamdulillah. <laughs> so, this this is, I'm guessing, you know, you're now doing things for the Shabab, you're getting the, the youth together, and that, that leads, you know, all these gatherings, Umrah, uh, and Sayyid Ammar's now started to do some lectures, uh, and then that's when Haraka starts, because Haraka does have a a big um, impact on the next uh, your next venture which is Ahl Bay TV how did Haraka start up and what was that about so I had a, we had a, a little group gathering called Rasul Youth mm. in Rasul Adam Rasul mm. Youth uh, and that was like a youth program thing that we had organized with us was Dr. Amir Jalal Khan mm. who was he's now in the hospital in Iraq in Karbala, Karbala yeah from yeah. Ammar, Ammar realized that we are active. I didn't know him before. Yeah, I've heard of him. See, we see he used to give lectures on Khui sometimes in the in the gym, mm-hmm. but not much engaged with him. So he called me. He's like, I want to see you guys. So it was me and there's another guy, Yasser Madani. We went to Kulba restaurant in Ajwa Road. Okay. It turned out to be haram after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There was a period where everyone stopped eating. You know, they said, "Don't yeah, eat that." Don't again. eat doing this one. Yeah. Suspicious. For Kulba, we had some food. It's like, I'm like, I've got this. I've got this new project. I'm starting. You know, Harak Al Haydari. We've got this, this Shabab, Mustafil. They've got this Shabab Mehdi. You guys are so youth. Let's come together, create something big. Let's go all out. Weekly program. Weekly program. You know, conferences. I said, Bismillah. I said, Bismillah. I'm ready. I'm always ready for these things. Yeah. Let's go. And so we started, I started bringing this group of Shabab used to come from Rasulullah Adam, the yeah. Islam boys used to come, Khoi guys used to, everyone is pulling in power to get everybody in, and it was different places, it was different, you know, started with Nur Zada's house, and he was in Dar Islam for a while, then he was in Abrar Center, Abrar for a long time, yeah. different kind of, you know, so I was more, mostly involved in the Abrar period, you know, the, that beginning part, and that's when Said Mehdi came to London and brought a camera, mm. he left me a PD-170 to take this camera, I said, why? He goes, just, just keep it. We still got it. They're yeah. still using it. We saw, I think they sold it for 50 quid on eBay. Said Baka sold it for 50 quid or something. MashaAllah. Like uh, you know, it's become an antique. Anyway, I was recording the programs. I was recording the... I started doing all the AV stuff. You know, I was mm. had a bit of technical know-how. But in, generally speaking, it was an opportunity for young people to come together on Friday night, listen to a solid lecture, engage, go home, and it was like a nice Have some out. nice chicken chips. Have some food. We used to, me and Mustafa used to buy chicken burgers and come back. Half of them used to be finished by the time they arrive. <laughs> you know, we used to do, you know, all that all that funky stuff. Alhamdulillah, it was great. It was a lovely experience. Getting the kids together. You know, the, the, shabab, the shabab. And everybody now you meet is like, oh, I remember those days. We used to come every Friday. We used to link up. People used to go out, you know, cafes after. They used to meet up. It was it became a nice social experience and it was and Islamic atmosphere yeah of course of course and he that's the main thing Tafsir Surat Yusuf for yeah. example different Tafsir different lectures and it became like a a place where you can go you learn and you meet and greet different people and that's what you know we had like the peak it was once when we had this Eid al-Ghadir 
and we got this huge, huge figure of a hand like this. Mm. And we moved the, the pulpit right in the back of the hall and we tried to, you know, get more and more people. Alhamdulillah, it just kept growing. It wasn't, you know, a successful um, Friday night program that went very well. And, you know, and from that, kind of relationships were formed, friendships were formed for, for years to come. And then everyone sort of went their own way to serve in their own capacity. And if I'm not mistaken, you went towards, you were filming for Ahl Bayt, the Arabic channel, where it had two or three hours a day broadcasting so, English. When said Mehdi left the camera, he's like, why do you help us do some recording? So I was recording some content here and there in my spare time. But at the same time, I sat with said Ammar, I said to him, we've got this new, this new idea that I want to do. I'm doing this documentary called... Karbala mm. when skies were blood mm. and in that group there was very good friends of mine Amir Hussain um, Haseeb Rizvi um, Pallu um, Safety Mohsen Azgar you know all these guys so yeah. we, we put together we filmed we had this really basic camera and we filmed almost 10 interviews using a very basic camera no microphone I was using industrial lights the ones you put inside garages um, and you know we filmed we had a script starting from death of the prophet all the way to Karbala. What happened? You know, we interviewed everybody, cut it up into pieces in someone's bedroom in East London, Hasib's house. It was awful. I need the driving. Why you got it together? We got it yeah. together and we sold Karbala on skies. Where blood. Mm. So the production was called Red. The production Red, Red Taste Productions. Yeah. Kar- Karbala on skies with blood. We tried to think of a very friendly name and we ended up with that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you sold how many copies? 10,000 copies we sold That was amazing And that was sort of the first English production if That I'm was, not yeah, the kind of un- no doubt. non-government, uh, non-Iranian stuff The Iran has some documentaries But this is a proper, you know, English uh, content for the community And for anyone who wants to know about Imam Hussein And that was like one hour doc um, Very unprofessional, even so much so That Baasim at that time had produced his first visual Latmiya Mm. Well, they had video clips. Yeah, yeah, some you know that track. He filmed in a in a desert. Mm. He built tents and there was bodies lying on the floor. Ibn we Dana. took that we took that footage from him and you used it in your clip. I went to him. Here's a thousand dollars. Copyrighted case. In any case, any cost you get the dollar. Paid him a thousand dollars. Just so, you just know, so that we clear our stock because we're going to make money out of this. It's not fair that you've and taken something from profit for us, but it's a commercial. He needs mm. to be re- he needs to be rewarded. Ironically enough, this is the most. This is very the reason I mentioned that day is that when I walked out the house, he was in he was in Sussex Gardens, mm. in Edgeware Road. I walked out and the area the foyer was very carpet. It was red carpet. I remember mm. that vividly. Someone called me. He said to me, "The Arabic channel, has gone down a few times." I said the Hilbay TV. It keeps going down. Like, yeah, it goes. Gilly, what are you guys gonna do? Like, I think, I think we should go on Sky. Sky mm. is a very important place. And he just said to me, "If you go on Sky, I'll fund the whole thing." So I was like, "Okay." I said, "Okay," and then he was telling me how Sky, because I never, I wasn't aware of Sky as much as he said. All the everyone in this country has Sky. If you want to reach the UK audience, Sky is the way. Sky is the place. To engage in And I spoke to him I said We need to go on Sky Forget this Hot bird Madri The satellites the These uh, Nile sat All these satellites That don't Nobody watches Except old Iraqi men Nobody watches this. The Premier League The football Is on the Sky platform we Let's go. get on All the Indo-Pak communities Will watch it And it's like ah, oh, but it's new. Dedicated channel English We can't do too much So we literally had A few months of You know 
rallying each other up. And then February '09, we bought, we 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 acquired Al Bay Television Network as a company. We bought an EPG and Ofcom. Um, we got an, an uh, Ofcom license, which allows you to broadcast. We had uh, we bought a channel called from Baby TV. We converted to Al Bay TV. And uh, August, the kids' TV channel. It's called Baby TV. I don't know even know what that is to be honest with you. And uh, I don't. I hope nobody looks it up because I don't know. It could be any. <laughs> this could go both ways. <laughs> then the worst thing happened to me in my life. Some guy in Croydon says, "Come and use our office." And so, <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing that happened to everyone that worked there. Yeah, for, you know, bless him. He was a great man who gave us the opportunity to have an office there. That's the Dutchers. Um, but uh, obviously, it was far for us. Well, we still uh, made it. We obviously went for three years every day, driving for an hour and a half, nine hour, nine hour shift. That was the work. Who came up with that nine hour shift? We, you know, we said, (laughs) why nine hour shift? We said, you know, who does nine hours? We said, let's do nine hours instead of eight because, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good opportunity. We have to build up Mm. and, um, yeah, we, you know, young, youthful team started. And and that, and that time I just, just got married and I landed back in the UK in August. August 15 two days before straight from the from the hun- August 2009 is when the channel opened. yeah August 17 it started I got married July 13th that was Shahar Ramadan or no was before Ramadan oh. we, two weeks before Ramadan okay yeah Ramadan was like 20 something 21st so we started just before Ramadan I was you know I was 24 years old mostly live shows most not even like that. the new content sorry no new content was live. We, we never had a studio we never had a play out system we had no fiber optic we had nothing all we had was two computers and uh, a deck. It's a VTR, which you put a tape in. And what you do is the way you give them content, not through a flash disk. Then how? You have to put the content onto a timeline and and you send the content to something. So what it is, you have a deck recorder, you put the tape in, you press record, you press play here. And you have to watch it for three hours, play here and record here. Then like I said, you have three hours of content. Then oh. you drive to Park Royal for one hour and a half. I give it to you. You give him a tape. He ingests it and he puts it in two days later. So I had to do that for about two months. Wow. So you can imagine how difficult, how difficult, have it easy. how difficult it is to, to like, to, to produce content. To produce. So forget the content where it's coming from. Or, or to doing. show content. Sorry. To show content. It was so, it was so time consuming. So you come in and the thing is not working. And then someone comes to you after a few weeks. That show on Ahl Bay TV, he has a go at you, and you <laughs> just he doesn't know the, the the trouble you go through to produce but it. For that Ramadan, we hired a studio in Park Royal, somewhere around here, in um, ABS Studios. Mm. There's a guy called Sas Jahani. He's originally Iranian. He gave us a, a, a studio, and he did, they did a, a play out. So we used the place and cameras there. And Rebecca came, and she, we had like three, four shows a week. She was sort of the first official presenter of Ahl Bay yeah, TV. Yeah, she was the first official presenter. She was presenting God it. Bless her. She's still presenting. She, she, not as much, to, to be honest with you. Yeah. She, but she, she. That's true, not as much. Yeah, she, um, she was hosting a show on Press TV before, and I was a guest on that show for, for the Karbala was Skies of Blood. So she said to me, she was presenting. I was like, she's a really good presenter. You know, she's very Let's articulate. Her on our channel. That's what I did. I basically called Literally. her up. I said, I said, look, we have What's a channel. And we want you to come on board. She goes, okay. I was like, oh, that was easy. easy. Yeah. And, you know, I thought she's going to, you know, ask for, you know, astronomical amounts. And But she Less was very, very, you know, very down to earth and very simple. Till today. And she said, I want to, you know, I want to help out. Um, I, I'd love to serve the Ahl Bayt. I'd love to be in a position where I'm, you know, 
One of the great servants of our community. I think that doesn't get a mention a lot. Is Sister Rebecca? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, her husband passed away recently. Yeah, it's kind of very sad news for her. Um, for, yeah, that was really the beginning, and um, and it was a long, you know, long difficult ten years of struggle, pain. Shall I use? I can use every single depressing word: anguish, <laughs> <laughs> and probably, yeah. And then you know, a few years later, after Croydon, another dedicated brother in the community gave us a a building in in North West London. So one day, some guy, a uh, brother, uh, Arif Arif Chando, said, "Listen, you you want to you can use the studio. Make make your make the 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 office, my office downstairs as a studio." We said, "Look, well, he just gave us one room." Yeah, he said, <laughs> he said no. He said, "Keep keep the studio, keep Croydon active, and then you, um, we'll have a studio over there." As a second studio, so we linked it up. We did a triangle, mm. Akiva, Hilbe TV one, Hilbe TV two, and we just so we could connect them both at the same okay. at the same time. So we can have live shows from there, and we have our, our and then um, Subhanallah Ramadan as well. I think if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I think Ramadan as well. I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, here Simo, Sister Rebecca. What, what I can remember vividly though is that we came one day to work, and the office that we're working in, they had huge financial problems. They fired everybody. And the building was being put off a cell. In Croydon. In Croydon. So we thought to ourselves, something is happening here. That is, you know, this is our sign. So we just got a van. We put everything in the van. We just drove off. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> so it's exactly what we did. <laughs> so I, it, I was driving a van that belonged to Maisie. So Janae's have, van. Yeah. yeah. And then we got in the car, filled up with all the all the channels, wires and the tricaster, playbooks. Everything. Everything. We just literally emptied everything into a van. And I'm driving, and he's and my wife sit next to me, and I get I get to the A406, I get to Hangar Lane, I'm going to the A406 towards uh, Neesden, and the door her door wasn't shut properly because it's broken, so as soon as I'm taking a left, the, the door, door opens, <laughs> she's half her legs are sticking out of the, the door. La 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 Hey, and it's like a, <laughs> this is what what we went through. La la la. So yeah, we Alhamdulillah we and started. That was the move. Uh, started at Neesden, and uh, yeah, and then you know it's kind of. Uh, um, I think he 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 regretted. <laughs> Bless Hajj Arif. He gave us the room downstairs, and then we took over slowly, slowly, oh, slowly, oh, slowly. Oh, oh, he said to me, "I'm moving out completely." We made. He's him, supposed think, to move. move he's supposed to move out in January, and we moved us off in December. Yeah. Then he moved out in May or June. Yeah, For six months, we, we had basically moved in too early. So and we it's like a chain buy, but he hasn't got his place, and we just jumped in. We were literally in a space the size of what we are in now. Me, you, say Sharistani, Nori, Zubaydi, Muhammad Zubaydi, Muhammad Radhi. Muhammad Radhi. There's like seven, eight of us, like cramped up. So, you, and if you turn around like this, if your chair moves, you, you hit someone else. It was literally like that. Yeah, so it's, 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 you can't work. It's a disaster. It's, we did work, though. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, that year wasn't as productive. If you look at the, it was a dip. Hmm. Because of the move Because of the move Because of the move We had the more space. live shows If I'm not mistaken that year uh, We did a lot of live shows Yeah but uh, The production If you look at the production Big productions yeah, There wasn't, wasn't a big any. one yeah. And there was a big transition At that time Amir left Hasib left You know all that mm. Fatma Rizvi left All three mm. That's a big three yeah. Graphics of Editing And operation Three guys left Cool yeah. That's core a core team. team And then suddenly We looked around We're starting from scratch yani. Kumail left Gareth Left There was a huge and we shrunk the team down. We sat in a small room. We from having a huge office, ten times the size of that, to having a small space. We're starting again, basically. Mm. 
Um, you know, we didn't have a proper rack. There was no MCR room. There's no gallery. Everything was wrong. We started from f- fresh. Literally, it was a relaunch. Literally. And that sort of, that took the channel to to the next level. As soon as we had the office space upstairs, um, the, produ- the level of production uh, was now different. We were now uh, thinking about more documentaries. We're now uh, thinking of getting better equipment. Uh, and now we're, it's more uh, quality than quantity. Because we had maybe, in, if, this is again me saying yeah, at the time, we had enough content to have a channel running for 24 hours. But the two, three hours of new content, we said we'll make sure that it's of better quality. Oh, we reached a stage whereby we were just with living within ourselves. So we had to improve quality in this week. We had something called the year of quality. There's mm. like the saying. Muhammad Muntasar. Yeah, this guy yes. called Muhammad Muntasar came to London. He started working with us. He had a good academic background in documentary filmmaking. And he said, we're going to introduce a year of quality. You know, so he was a polite way of saying that your content is rubbish. Swear, <laughs> start, <laughs> start working. Be serious when you do things. So we started the story of Hussein and the story of Zainab and all these, you know, well, yeah, these short, short docs, you know, short series, um, twenty minutes each, and then and then things started developing, and then you know, um, there was other channels coming on the scene like Safir TV, and um, you know, automatically that gave us the impetus to do better not because we didn't want them to succeed but we felt that that it's the responsibility on us to give the best possible reflection of the Ahl Bayt and we wanted to be in a position whereby let's focus on something you know let these guys it's good if you have a few channels let each one focus on something on specifically that they're good at so we said let's focus on a few things we said documentary is something we can do and children's animations For, um, when Safir, Safir TV emerged um, and we were happy because we said, you know, it would be good that we focus and specialize on one aspect of production. And we chose uh, documentaries and the other aspect that we chose was uh, children's programming. That was because of default. We had the right people in the team who enjoyed those two genres. Mm. If we had other people that enjoyed different genres, we would have, you know, you know, the style that we adopted was fine. You know, we find whoever's involved and we see what he's good at. And uh, based on that, and we thought, you know, documentaries is a powerful 60-minute program that can be very impact. We can compete with the level of the top documentaries. You know, if we had... We did, yeah. As in, if we can go, if we have a good story, it doesn't need it doesn't need something... Um, so there's some stuff that are beyond, like big studios and large cameras, and you're not going to get that. Uh, you're not be able to produce that, like game shows and of a high level. We did try once uh, with Brain Flash, mm. and that was that was quite good actually. It was, yeah, that was a uh, quite um, very time-consuming and expensive. But we specialized two things that we knew we could grow in, and Alhamdulillah, that was the the beginning of that journey. Um, with regards to documentaries, uh, we had the addition of now uh, a good cameraman, uh, director of photography, uh, Ali Basri, um, and then you started producing documentaries the, the first one that I that comes to my mind that I think took the, the the quality again I'm talking from someone that not only viewed this documentary but that's someone that's also inside the channel so can see what's going on was probably Breathe or was there anything before other than obviously the story of Hussein the sto- but I think something that was actually hours and hours of filming if I'm not mistaken was Breathe 
Yeah, you can argue Breathe was a was a new level uh, of production. Breathe is about a story of a guy. I'm sure. I'm not sure if you interviewed him. Yeah, I, I did. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah he came. Yeah. Out, so Hassanin came on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Hassanin Sayed is a guy who's you know lost his uh, children yeah. unfortunately to illness. So I was um, in the ABTV gala dinner, and someone said to me, "This guy, you know, Azm's has a good story. Azm's cousin, he lost his children." So after the gala dinner, we finished, we raised money. He was standing behind me, and I stood like next to him. I asked him, "Brother, whatever Allah has taken away from you, inshallah, He will re- He will replace." Mm. Just out of you know, just uh, I said to me, "Brother, my wife is eight months pregnant. Inshallah, in February she's gonna give birth." Subhanallah. So I was like, Subhanallah, you know, I was, I was like amazing. so happy, you know. I was like, uh, then it's in my mind, Doc. Doc. That's all I just heard. Yeah. Is Doc? He's run what? five marathons. He's done all the stuff, and he's you know, he's like a. And we have Ali, you know, Ali Basri. Who <laughs> That's the first thing we do whenever we hear a good story. We, doc, say, we think documentary. Doc, yeah, yeah. So how could you? It's just when you talk, speak to people, it's just, you know. Or when you hear someone's got a good voice. Good voice, yeah. Voice over. <laughs> voice over. What's the line you used to make them repeat? There used to be a line you used to call and say, repeat that same line. Please remember. There was a line, something about Adim or something. Ah. Oh, slip my mind. Tip of my tongue. You'll come back, you'll come back. You used to make them, you used to bring oh, random son of people. Adam. Yes, yes. <laughs> say, oh, son of Adam. And then you say, if it's a good voice or not, we'll use it for a voice. Every person we speak to says, just repeat that line, oh, son of Adam. Adam. Um, you know, alhamdulillah. So I, I went out with him, with Ali, um, and we filmed that documentary. I was involved in that documentary from the producing perspective, and Ali did a lot of the work, you know, he put a lot of hours in. But we had to drive to East London, you know, seven, eight times, film edit and we just try to capture his story uh, alhamdulillah ali was once busy so i had mm. to film the marathon so we went to his house like five in the morning mm. and with this cameraman that had hired spanish guy his name is juan and then we drove we took a train to wherever that marathon starts from i think it's hyde park yeah and we sat there and you know um it's very surreal we had to basically Beef with him in the, at the beginning and make sure we get to the end make sure you're faster there. than him. Obviously, he's running, <laughs> yeah. but we take shortcuts and stuff. For, it was amazing, you know that that journey and um, and for me, the reason I did that documentary was I wanted. We had already done a lot of good documentaries. We had produced a lot of good documentaries at that time, but I wanted to say let's do something slightly different. Let's up the level a bit. This is a story. This is a nice case study. Let's try to. And sometimes, you know, I thought there's no point just telling people go and do something why don't you do it yourself and that's why I did let me go and do this myself let me try and execute this myself with Ali and we did you know we even did one thing that we've never done before we did a viewing inside a community centre Yeah. so we hired a hall we invited the local MP local teachers local school members friends, family Shia, non-Shia Muslim, non-Muslim they came into the hall there's like 50 of them and um, Basri was late you know <laughs> trying to get there we were sweating running with the projector and they watched it, it was like a 90 minute feature feature documentary and everyone's crying and they were they it's were a powerful documentary clapping and they were like you know and then and then till now uh, till now uh, Hassanin calls me he's like yeah I met this guy I thought I've seen my documentary this has become his thing now whoever he meets he's like have you seen my documentary yeah. and he makes them watch the documentary and they really get moved because he spare, he saves himself the is it, is the it, anguish is it still on YouTube it's on uh, Vimeo okay it's on Vimeo so I watched it yesterday Oh, did you? Yes, ironically, because I wanted to um, work with Hassanin again for a project I'm doing. And okay. I said, I, the person that I have, I said, let's, let me show you this person that I know. 
His name is uh, Hassan and Sage. He was with, and we ended up watching the documentary. clips of it, and I sh- and I sent it, and I took a picture of, of it, and I said to Hassan, I said, Hassan, there you go. I'm still watching. I'm it. still watching. It was like love and Madrid. you know, like you know, <laughs> send me a heart and big and small and all that stuff. You, you mentioned Ali, um, and you had a particular way uh, in managing people. Uh, you 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 wasn't uh, someone that would uh, fire people. I don't. Can't remember anyone being. I can't remember. Maybe there, but you, you you managed people differently. How do you think? And you, we had different characters. We had some really interesting characters, to say the least. Uh, from someone loud and uh, like me, and um, I'll just use the word loud, to someone that's more quiet and like say Sharistani, maybe behind his desk. Uh, Nori, you know, you had different people, interesting characters. You know, at one point, I, th- I remember there was close to maybe 20 staff members. Uh, maybe that was the maximum we had. Um, how did you manage your staff? So we, we probably fired, I remember firing two people. Okay. The so one was a girl and she refused to do, do any shows for some reason. She basically wanted to leave. Mm. And we didn't fire her. We said, listen, you, you didn't turn up for the show. You didn't mm. produce. So she left. The second guy was a very interesting story. Um, he We presented a show. And um, I don't know if you say this, but anyway, I'll, I'll say you guys choose to put it or not. No. So we, uh, you know, he presented a show and then he, um, we removed him from the show. He wasn't a good presenter because mm. he swore on set. Mm. He's like, F. And then the guest mm. looked at him. He's like, what's going on? So we were like, I was a sh- I was embarrassed. Like, what the hell? Is, this guy is crazy. What's he doing? And so, um, I I realized there's another guy in the office who's good presenting, and we swapped him around. And this guy got very upset. He and how to, you swap? He said to me, "I want to be like Mehdi Hassan, and you've taken away taken that away from me." I said, "Brother, you're not good at presenting. You keep stumbling and stuttering and making mistakes, and you swore and said you just don't know what you're doing." On Islamic, yeah, it's used that language as well. Yeah, it's not just Islamic that. Channel. It's unprofessional. It's rude, and it's just it's disgusting. So he didn't take that take that too well, and he became very aggressive. And so what we did, we checked up his references, which is you know you're supposed to do that before you employ someone. Employ somebody, and we checked up his references. His previous boss told us that this guy put super glue in my contact lens solution. Allah. He tried to stick the lens inside my eyes. So we just that, that was enough for us to say to him, brother. Call the office. So we called him up in the office yeah. and I called a big guy with me because he's a, I called Amir Hussein with me to come to because I was worried this guy's gonna snap. <laughs> if he super tried super gluing someone's he already, eyes. He was already very aggressive before. He was like being antagonistic towards people. He's being rude, abrasive. And I said, Look, bring this guy to the office. Let's chat to him. So I said to him, brother, what's the story about Super glue? Super glue. And he flipped. He started shouting, started screaming, started going mental. And he goes, you're Muawiyah and you're Yazid. And he walked out. So he didn't really fire him. He walked out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we'll just continue from how you... Uh, yeah, there was there was a lot of different characters that worked on Ahil Bay TV. Some of, and that was the most, probably the most hardest thing for me was to manage people. It's the most difficult thing for me. Mm. And that probably drove me mad. Drove me absolutely nutty. Because I had, for me... You know, it wasn't a job. It wasn't a job where you come in, clock in at nine, leave at five, or clock in at ten, leave at six. It was like, I'm already working before getting to work, and I, when I get home, I'm still working. I don't, I didn't stop working for a second. 
you know, people when they see me and they wouldn't probably see you and other people says, how's the channel? They don't ask you, how, how are, are you? you? Nope. Yeah, how was the channel? Because they knew no, no one we asked. lived, breathed, ate. We did. Yeah, it was not something like you hid away. This was apparent. Everyone knew that you were working for El Bay TV and you're committed. This is your life, your food, your drink, your sleep. This is, that's it. And I, I just like to add, and I'll speak for myself. And I'll speak for you actually as well. And we enjoyed it. Yeah, of course. we Everyone enjoyed yeah, it. They yeah. loved it. It was passion. It was love. Yeah. But for me, I was a bit crazy. I was over it. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was I was overdoing it. I was working all the time. I didn't want to have a social life. I didn't want to go out. Our I social life was the channel. Yeah, I uh, didn't I didn't have I didn't want to do anything else besides doing the channel's work. And then when I feel like someone, oh, this guy left a bit early, this guy came a bit late, this guy's chilling, his lunch is like become an hour, ten minutes, I start getting a bit nervous. Mm. And that's not good. Lunch was enjoyable. Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> it's like why why not why are they not working hard? Why do they feel the, the same, same passion that I do why you know I'm, obviously I'm not working all the time maybe I'm chilling sometimes but for me it was, I became paranoid I started like really it started affecting me because I wanted because I knew there was so much work and we had so little resources and I wanted to max it out as much as possible but you can't keep you revving the car maxed it out <laughs> you, you were maxing it out you can't rev the car all the way to Manchester this is what we're trying to do we try to rev a micro all the way to Manchester and that car is going to blow up it's going to explode before yeah and the thing is it, it's, it's going to explode all the way you know halfway through you just cannot it's not designed to do that so we were kept pushing and pushing and pushing I remember people were sleeping I used to call him he doesn't pick up call him once twice three times I can't get through to him he's got a deadline today I used to call his dad Sayyidna Flan, where's where's this guy? Khadiji. Where is he? Ah, he's just sleeping. Oh, he had a late night. He was doing the, so I caught he picks up the phone, he's like, oh, hello. <laughs> but there's a lot of stories like that, yani, alhamdulillah. But in the day, it was it was because everybody and everybody worked so hard because they shared that vision, they shared that passion. And there were some people, you know, they were slightly relaxed than others. There was and I was always believed that we have to find the positives in everybody. You know, everybody's got a positive. You may have a hundred negatives, including myself. I had a hundred negatives, but if you don't look at the, for the positives, you're never gonna be able to work with anybody. You know, if everybody's, but everyone's in, it can be bad, everyone can be great. And if you look at the goodness that he has, if you look at the positives he has, and you empower him, and you give him energy, you give him strength, and you encourage him, and suddenly he's putting a shift in. He's working hard. He's running through brick walls. He's going crazy. He's passionate about the project. Otherwise, you know. I think that's 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 a very important point you mentioned. You are a hidden gem. You are a hidden gem. Hid, yeah, telling people your hidden gems worked. Did I do that? Yeah, you, you, there was a lot of hidden gems. No uh, but uh, um, But I think you what what we did is find everyone's strength. You know, you mentioned you know because we we did children's programming because we had people that were. Not only interested, but they were good at that. Or we did documentaries because people were, like for example, I say, you know, so why I, hopefully, I succeeded in certain documentaries in Iraq is just because maybe I had a good network in Iraq, specifically Najaf. I could get my way around, being my hometown, knowing a few clerics here and there. So we, we everyone used their strength in whatever they capacity they have to, whether it was you know Said Bakr in the in downstairs or doing the, the 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 play out as well as you know sorting out all our a lot of the stuff that he did because no one had one role everyone did 
or for example Nuri producing and filming and editing or uh, I don't know everyone or people that sometimes worked in marketing would also present like Hussein Hussein uh, Sajjad so interesting story I'll give you now um, my wife she used to do before she the channel star. She used to do some TV stuff mm. on YouTube and Karbala. She used to enjoy, mm. and then when I got married, automatically Iraqi men they don't like their wives having public profiles. Mm. Let's be honest here. Yeah, yeah. Let's just let's, delete let's, your delete your delete your profile. profile. <laughs> huh? Delete it. And I was like to myself, okay, you know, I can. She enjoys it. She's not doing it because she's bored. She enjoys it. Yeah, some she. people don't do it regardless. You don't mm. have to force them. Some woman, as a, if you ask Iraqi woman, would you do a video? He goes, no, Straight I don't away. like coming. It's very on. difficult getting women on, uh, you know, from our community on yeah, camera. On camera, I'm yeah. sure you have the same problem here. Some, so now things have changed, but previously, it's very difficult. Traditional Iraqi ladies who are now probably 35 plus don't go on TV. That's very hard to find. Sahih. You're never gonna. It's very rare. And I was on a position where, on one hand, um, you know, I said I, I always believed empowering people. Let's empower, give them, let's see what he's good at and let's give him that role mm. so that he or she can grow and achieve that potential. Mm. No point putting, you know, someone who's good at editing to become a presenter. They can't it do it. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You may want to do that because you're paying them, but you're not going to get the most out of them. Mm. So I was on a dichotomy. I was like, what do I do? Mm. Do I become a hypocrite? This so I, deci- I decided, I decided deep down, I said, you know, I'm going to empower Zahra. We made a Tuesday. And Thursday show on Elbe TV. The every view. yeah, every Tuesday, Wednesday we had a sh- Tuesday and Thursday Sah. we had a live women's program in Elbe TV in Croydon. And I said, you guys, you're editing during the day. During the, I want you to get a guest every Tuesday and went when and Thursday. So Thursdays, yeah. So you had like a, I don't know what time it was, two p.m. or something. It was yeah. an afternoon show or something like that. Yeah. It was an afternoon show. So during their work hours, they were just... And we done seasons upon seasons. Yeah, there's like thousands seasons. of shows, yeah, episodes. Every guy in this community, what's your name? Coming tomorrow, Thursday. And mashallah, we had... So that for me was... Although, you know, people say, oh, you know, why do you let your wife go on TV? For me, I thought to myself, she enjoys this and she's serving, she wants to service. Obviously, she's not doing like fashion and whatever. That's, that's Then you have a different discussion yeah. here. But she's going to serve Islam. Her hijab is respectable, it's good. Then why can't we encourage and empower um, uh, our partners? It, may, it doesn't matter who it is, and that was that for me, kind of what I believed in. It's all about, you know, empowering somebody. And then with others, we tried. We gave them every role. We just we, till today we don't know what we their best it. role is. <laughs> <laughs> till today we're wondering what is he the best at? Is he the best at filming, editing, doing graphics? Doing God knows. God bless Said Mustafa. This was, you know, I'm sure it was it was daunting uh, managing. And again, um, I'm sure Mushtaba would agree as well. And those that worked under you, you managed the, the channel, especially, in my opinion, 14 onwards, 2014 onwards, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very uh, positive way, where I think you got the best, no doubt, uh, out, of, out of the team that you had under you. Uh, and you know we produced some in my opinion some world renowned documentaries like the ISIS one that me and you and then you went back and done another one and then we done uh, I don't know a third and then we done you done Sinjar you went to Sinjar on you and you know I remember that determination that you had where you were literally on your own I didn't have a passport and I had to stay for my passport and then you're like I don't care I'm going and you, you 
one thing that I've realized you 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 did not care if you have to break down walls to get what you want. I remember um, I'll share the story. We went to film a documentary uh, in, to, in uh, late 2014, early 2015. I can't believe we did this because ISIS had gone into Iraq in 2014, July. July, so uh, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, January. So six months later, we're filming a documentary with Hajj al-Shaabi. Literally six months, huh? 2015, August. It was December, I think, yeah. January, December, 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 January. Yeah, five yeah. or six months. June to December, yeah. Yeah, June, June to December. We're filming a documentary in areas where ISIS had literally just been maybe a few weeks ago, a few months ago when we went. George al-Sakhar and then afterwards, I remember you went to... But either way, there was an incident where... We were filming and you said, I want a prisoner. I want you guys to get me. You were speaking to the people we were with, part of the Hashid. And you said, I want a prisoner. And then I was. everyone was saying no to you. Everyone was saying, impossible, impossible. We tried everything. We got one. And I just remember that you were really determined. You didn't give up. Um, and that that's one thing that I, that I saw is that you wouldn't give up. Even when I thought this is no way... Are we going to find someone from ISIS do us an interview? I don't know how we pulled that off. But determination in what you did. Um, even when you when everyone in front of you said no. Um, what kept that drive going through those years where I'm going to achieve even when er- everything and everyone is saying no, you're not going to get this? So that ISIS prisoner um, story was very interesting. Um, we were filming Jorfa Sakhar mm. and we we were if you remember the story that happened there the altercation we had so we were filming yeah. <laughs> and these soldiers decided to have a break yeah and we were we left at six in the morning mm. and then my dad called me he said to me say hello to your aunties I said what are you talking about he thinks that I'm going to get killed there because it's such a dangerous area yeah 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 if you go yeah. to heaven or whatever so I was like, it's not a good start today. Yeah. So we are filming these guys and they're taking a long break. Yeah. They left us on the base. They don't do any work. And we had a fight with them. Yeah. He's like, can you please go? He's like, no. He said, we need to film. We're not here to mess around. We're yeah, here to do something. They were taking a break. Yeah, so we lost it a bit. Um, but that prison... <laughs> <laughs> and there was the, the... Let me just mention, we were walking in this, like, I'm filming. And then that one of the soldiers said to me and Amir, he said, don't go on that road. Just stay, stay close. So we're like, why? He's like, because that road is not meshat. He said, he used the word meshat, which means um, uh, meshat comes from the word of meshat, when you comb combed, your hair. Yeah, yeah. That road is not combed. This That's what he said. So like, what do you mean it's not combed? And he said, it means there could be mines. So we haven't checked if there's mines in there. And then imagine, as soon as he said that, we froze. Because we thought if we continue we start, walking. We started going to side roads by ourselves. Yeah, they're we like, what are you shouting? going? We're doing, it's like, yeah. there's, there's booby traps here. You they could, booby trap every road. You walk on it, you blow up. And we went, we went to do that. Jorfa Sakhar had never fell before, the, yeah. since 2003. This is the first time it fell. And we were there. We were there filming <laughs> and we saw, you remember the skull on the yeah. floor, the brain splattered everywhere. That was uh, horrific. We even detonated a TNT, a C4, yeah. a bomb, and we filmed it. <laughs> if you see the footage, yeah, Hussein. I said, yeah, Hussein, yeah, because exactly. it blows up. <laughs> um, and we got the prisoner then. Yeah, the prisoner... He, had three, he came into three cases One in Basra One in Karbala One in Najaf He killed a lot of people And when we I don't know if you were in the room Yeah I was I, I, We were both sitting in the room But when we came Set up the camera 
The guy said to me, "Can you ask questions?" I yeah, said, I no. said, "No." So no one asked questions. Yeah, he asked both of us, and we so said, "We're not no. asking questions." <laughs> yeah, I wasn't looking to no. speak to him. They brought him in, and he had his face covered, and he had chains, yeah. and his arms and legs. And this guy's a killer. This so, guy's someone that's dash. I remember his nails are very long. Yeah. It's very dirty feet. Yeah. He was barefooted, but I knew that Ofcom says that you cannot interview somebody under duress. So whosoever duress means you're on prisoner, and you could be potentially facing torture. I don't know what's going on in prison. All I know is this guy's a prisoner, mm. and he's killing people. These soldiers are not going to be playing cards with him, are they? They're going to be. I mean, they may be physically abusing him. Maybe people. we don't know. But if we interview this guy, we can face an Ofcom fine. Mm. You get it? Because no. Press TV's his license was, re- was revoked because they interviewed someone in Iran prison, saying how it's love it's lovely there. And when he came out, he said, "No, it's not." And Ofcom said, "You guys are interviewing someone under duress." So we interviewed him, but we never really. We were gonna thinking about releasing it, but you know, John Simpson. He for the first, he was the first one that interviewed the ISIS prisoner or released an ISIS prisoner. We mm. were we had recorded it, mm. released it two weeks later. So yeah, that was, you know, it's just you know again, it's a it's the drive of telling a story, and if you can if you can access something, and it's possible. And I like everything's possible, as you know. There's nothing, there's no <laughs> rules, and I like you could do whatever you want. Yeah, well, you can meet the PM, which we did. Yeah, you can meet the PM, you can meet the president, you can meet Ayatollah Sistani. There's nothing, yeah, and there's nothing. No one's ever said, no one. I and mean, as long as you can, as long as it's possible, then it will get it's done. Possible, you know. Someone's got his cameras lost in the airport. There's someone got arrested. There's visa issues. Pos- I like as a way where you can. Navigate your way through any problems. If you have contacts, you know people. If I said, you know, I want a prisoner, find me. Get I remember, me a prisoner. You, on, you asked literally everyone we went, you met. We went to Najaf, and the guy said to me, We got one, come today. Yeah, we literally. We had to back. drive back to Karbala, mm. and you were complaining, like, Bro, this is long. This yeah, is it flop. was long. He's going to be like blind, deaf, and madrash. You know, he's. It, it was long. I complained a lot. We got there, and, like, and then we filmed him, but I yeah. couldn't say a single word. And if you remember, because it was so scary. Yeah, and he's this yeah. guy. And he could he did it for fifty thousand dinars, like yeah. fifty quid or something. Killed like so many people. Yeah. Um, Not the interview for fifty. He killed people no, for no, fifty. Yeah. <laughs> no, he, didn't, he didn't do the interview for any money. Yeah, he didn't pay him off. Unfortunately, the soldier at the door said to me that you know people like that would just get released. Yeah, and that was like wow. You yeah, know, that this was scary. Scary. <laughs> <We> <laughs> so that means stay quiet. <laughs> we didn't want him to recognize our voice. Uh, what was the fun part? What what, what did you enjoy? While you know working at Bay TV, it's the adrenaline, really. You know the 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 crazy, the the you know the, that buzz that you get. It's it's like a buzz of hitting your deadline, buzz of meeting your, you know, achieving something or fulfilling your potential. If I feel if I like if I'm feeling like I haven't done this many work hours per day, I feel like I've let myself down. So I there's a project in Bay TV that allowed me to. As whatever I give to it It still needs more And that always gave me The satisfaction Because I know that Whatever I put in It's gonna always gonna You know It's gonna show And and I had autonomy You know I didn't have like You know Too much Too much restrictions Of you know Don't do this Don't do that Where you get disappointed Serve the hell bit. It was just like Just work You know You have a remit You know You're in the editorially As long as you don't do Certain things You're fine We knew that And we just moved on But the buzz of Achieving something that was seen by a global audience. It was so powerful as a tool. We didn't really, we still don't appreciate it till now. It was a very powerful, people were calling us from villages saying, I've never left, I haven't left my house six months. We watch on the channel every day. You changed my life. How many times people said, you've changed my life. And that, 
that just kept me that mo- motivated. That also probably led me to leave as well. Before we get there, did, did, do you think you could have done more? Looking One, back at your time. 100%. Or you think? 100%. I went in. Uh, well, you, we're talking like long out. Literally, even if we, like we'd go out to a cafe maybe once a week. Or even when we did go out, we weren't discussing football or we're still talking about what we're going to do at the channel what we're going to we, we're even we're having meetings even in our social gatherings Hadji, I was so, I was 24 years old no, no I'm not talking about the first I'm talking I about know the last but year. at the 24 years old mm. you look at now a 20 an average 24 year old I didn't ha- I didn't work in the corporate world I didn't have experience running a company finances all that stuff it was just it was just really new. It, was new it was new and then you know this is a channel we had a lot of enemies. We had a lot of people stopping us, preventing us. So we made a lot of mistakes. A lot of mistakes that we, if we had done better, we could have, you know, at that time, having a Shia channel on TV was so amazing. As a, as a, and we probably done a lot. We achieved so much. And we did, you know, we did something really that has never been done before. But I know, had if you say, if I was, you know, I'm now 38. And today, for example, I get, imagine I'm 38 at that time. I'll do things differently. My contacts are vaster. I know more people now. I could have, but know. with what with the tools that you had, could you? I'll rephrase the questions. Sorry, because obviously, yeah, that's an obvious answer. Right now, you look at it, you could have done with the tools that you had. We put we put effort. You know, we put as much effort as we could. Know that the, whatever we knew, we we put out there. But I feel sometimes that we feel, I feel sometimes let down by. Sometimes I felt the community didn't do enough for us. You know, we're running probably a very expansive, difficult project. You've never spoken about this. Uh, this is the first time I hear you say something like this. Maybe because you don't do much interviews mm. either way. Do you feel you were let down by the community? You were always, you know, again, I think the only, what, what, not, what hindered your more achievements, not achieve, more achievements, what hindered your achievements was the fact that you, took time out to focus on the finance of the channel a lot a lot of your time especially in the last few few years focused around the finance of the channel and i felt that was for us as a production team because i'm in the it was a loss because we're losing your discussions and your thoughts and on, on programming because you're focusing on finance so do you feel, and again, whether it was travel, meetings with the finance team, meetings with people here that are, you t- it took a lot of you. For th- there's two things here. One... Did the community let you down? Uh, there's two things here. First one is that the community, on one hand, when I mean community, I'm talking about people of influence. Mm. They let us down. They didn't come and join the channel. They said they want... It, for me, I felt like they didn't come and support the project. People did People of influence Yeah people of influence They could have supported the channel more They could have done more for the channel They could have empowered the channel more But they took a step back Certain They watched reservations us. they had Yeah they, they took a step back They said let's see what happens You know They used to come on the channel here and there But they never gave us support They never really trusted the channel Maybe because they're not part of it Right And we opened the door for everybody But not everyone wanted to be part of that process So that one aspect Was a letdown The community generally speaking they were always very supportive. People donated, they gave. We raised $10 million from people in 20 pounds and 30 pounds and 40 pounds. Go to someone's house, it gives you homes money, gives you like 10 grand, 20 grand. It was amazing. That part of the community, the majority did not yeah. let you down. But we did 14 gala dinners. 
Wow. In nine countries, nine cities around the world, nine cities with gala dinners. We had to like Toronto twice, Vancouver, California, New Jersey, we Af- Kenya, Mombasa, Dar. Dar four times. It was just New Jersey. We raised zero. We lost money because of tickets and everything. We raised nothing, and it was probably the most nerve-wracking day of my life. It was probably I was more nervous than my wedding day. Wedding doesn't even care. Mm-hmm. I think I said you. People just, get like nervous. I don't know why I people get care. nervous on their wedding. Huh? I'd like yeah. people like, oh, it's well. And people, it's like cliche, but to be honest oh. with you, I had to, I was outside. I gave my presentation and I went out. I knew that day was bad because there was poor turnout. The speaker was coming to speak on our event, was arrested in Dubai airport. He was detained. His visa was revoked. It was a bad day. It was one of those days. One of those days we had he, a lot of them as well. So they start auctioning a few things. There's nothing. So far. <laughs> I walked out. I'm went to, I literally wanted the ground to swallow me because I was. Like, you put yourself out there. This is your work. This is your life. You're exposing that to people, and I just love people laughing at you. They don't take you seriously. Like, oh yeah, whatever. You know, they didn't even bother to give you a hundred dollars. It was. It was the worst day, probably in my channel, in the channel's life, in my channel, in my life at the channel. Um, it was miserable, but. And there were some days where you were. Uh also alhamdulillah we you know alhamdulillah it's uh, allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know and then they we always say that if people give they support yeah because they kept the channel alive. they it's, it's for them yeah you know the they channel. don't want to give they loss and it's their loss it's not our loss he doesn't want to be part of this project it's his loss not our loss was amir taqi fusta of ahl bay tv someone just sat up there <laughs> <laughs> no I, I it was probably i took the decision to leave of course yeah that's not my question was Amir Taqi forced out to leave the channel? Forced out? Forced out. Forced to make a decision. I, I took that decision myself. Of course. Yeah, no, yeah. of course, no one made. Yeah, for what? Were hap- you forced to make a decision? No, but the, the chain. I'm not going to ask you for the, the reason, cha- by the, the way. The chain, the chain of events mm. was started by me. The chain of events started by me. I took a de- I made a decision six months before where it was a risky decision. I, took, I, made, I made a move. It's like a game of chess. And I made the uh, the first move. It was a risky move, but I made this very I like dangerous. How you used the example of chess. Yeah. yeah, I made a I made a dangerous a dangerous maneuver, mm. right? And um, I done it in goodwill, and I wanted to I wanted to roll the dice basically. Mm. You know, this is kind of like you know this is a, and it was it was reaching a stage whereby we needed to change. We needed to kind of you know change kind of the environment. And events led to events where I was in a position whereby I was, you know, on the table. I said to them, I said to the channel, I said, look, we can make this um, <coughs> project a lot bigger. We want to achieve more. We had a meeting after Ramadan that, you know, that year, earlier on. And we decided how could we improve the channel? We outlined different visions. We had, a, you know, the next 10 years, had a huge meeting. And everyone thought it was a waste of time. But still now it's very profound. You know, that day, I don't know if you're... Yeah. yeah, Fiskel. I can't, I can't remember. I just copied it from online. Just sat down and you know, yeah. pretended I knew what I was doing. So we did like a strategy meeting and vision and we realized that we need serious investment. And we looked at the problems and the difficulties. And, and then, so it came to a stage for me now where I've 10 years on the channel, did a lot of work. It's reached a glass ceiling now. Keep banging on the same ceiling, rejected, back forth. And we're not really making that. We're not. So I rolled the dice. And that dice roll didn't <laughs> go in my favor. Um, obviously, I realized then that I, for me to leave, I needed to make a, a hoo-ha, 
I can't just walk away and say, yeah, hey, well, I'm leaving. Um, you know, it's not, I can't do that. I had to say to myself, I had to basically say, let me go out with a bank. And my, and my, my decision was that if, if the channel, if the channel wants to progress, I set up some conditions. Let's go forward now. I wanted, I was, I was more, I was more, I was so ambitious that I wanted to go to the next level. Mm. I was like, let's go to the next level. Let's push. And not everyone shared my ambition. This is a problem. I wanted to go bigger. I wanted to go. Do you regret leaving? No, no. Now that you've you know it's been a few yeah. years now, it's two years and a half now. Yeah, I've don't regret March nineteen. Now we're January, January, February, January twenty two. Yeah, I don't I don't regret leaving, but there was a huge vacuum that I had in whatever. Even till not till now, probably yeah, any. Up until a year ago, it was a vacuum that I kept. It's always, in, you know, I was so busy before. I was so overwhelmed. And even though I'm busy now or busy that time, but I still felt that that vacuum of, you know, um, I couldn't feel that vacuum. But I don't regret that moment. I think it was the right time to leave. Um, it was a time for me to move on. And the channel... You know the channel I was involved in co-founding it. I was in, from before it started. I was involved before even three years before that. I was involved, and um, I reached a stage whereby, if we're gonna grow, we needed to make change, and not everybody wanted that change. So I said, either me, you know, either you let's do this, or I'm out. So there was no appetite, and there was no choice for me except to, you know. So you were forced to make that decision to answer my question at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, but I could have stayed. Of course, but not, your, not, but not on your, but not on your terms. Not on my terms, yeah, not on my terms. So I left because I, my terms weren't met. You met, you, you, you set terms. They weren't met. You yeah, and it's 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 perfectly reasonable. You know, if not everybody has to sing from sing from the same hymn sheet. Of course. And if not everybody wants to do that, then that's fine. Again, I'm not in any way saying putting blame because yeah. Alhamdulillah, the channel's still there and you're still here. You to know? be honest with you, I don't think. If, you know, retrospectively speaking, mm. I don't know if I would have achieved what I would have achieved had I got the channel away, what I wanted as my terms. Yeah. Because that's very idealistic. I wanted something really crazy. Mm. I want to push out to the next level. But I don't know if I was going to achieve that. It was very idealistic. Maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, you know what? You've done what you can here now. You need to move on to something else. And sometimes we don't see that in that space of time. You know, we, you know, that last meeting we had um, in the office. Yeah, and I was, I was telling everybody that I'm leaving, and Basri was recording. I don't know where that tape is. Basically, yeah, that tape, I wonder where that, that is. was a that was a filthy meeting. Look for it, Amir Sadr. Do you, you know, of course, you know there was, a, you know, some people were saying, okay, now Amir is going to open a new channel. You know, knowing that you had that experience that you did at ten years at Hilbay TV, do you see yourself opening a channel? Is it the way forward for for us as a community, or is that now not even on your mind to have a channel? For example, a Shia channel. I think I think um, I think a channel is just a. It's not the end goal at the moment. Channels are just a platform. So if you if you're making content, I'm making I'm still making content. So tomorrow, if I feel like I need to make a channel, because it'll help serve my cause, it's not it's not something impossible. Yeah, and it's not something like you know, it's, but it's not my end goal. I think it now, for me, a channel is not an end goal. The end goal is to create content. You know, if I'm and I'm still creating content. If tomorrow I feel like there's an opportunity for me to create a channel to create, con you know, to to project my content, not to create more content. I'm already creating content. I just scale up my content creation. Then yeah, I don't see it as like a, 
it's just you know although it's like 250,000 pounds a year it's not very expensive you know in the grand scheme of things mm. so it's not like any um yeah channels are outdated yeah channels are like you know um they're limited yeah people are watching everything online but it still has its you know there's a lot of there's a big discussion in this about you know can channels still serve a purpose um you know ramadan muharram people like watching the channel during live events and it makes a big impact you chose the word legacy um obviously a lot of uh, maybe our viewers listeners know that you are involved in the legacy interestingly the legacy was um established while you were at ahl bay tv if i'm not mistaken 2014 muharram 2014 the legacy was um established um but alhamdulillah it's, it's going on and you have uh, uh those that haven't seen it uh, a museum style uh, exhibition uh, in northwest london at al majlis al husseini with you and uh, brother said hasanain um and it was about imam ali alayhi salam this year the previous years was about imam hussein alayhi salam um so inshallah people can come and visit if they haven't already but why legacy what does legacy mean to you not the exhibition obviously for it's yeah the legacy is in the name that um it just reminds me of you know imam hussein's uh, sacrifice and uh, what he left for us he left us a legacy um so it's something that you know it's um it reminds me of his what he done for for all of us what he gave what he gave in terms of his family his friends his companions his woman and he gave all for islam he left us a legacy that we should try to mimic try to follow and try to adhere to the legacy project amongst other projects i'm doing i'm doing um the dawn foundation which i do animation videos we have an online school as well for kids we have the legacy that i'm involved in as well it's a visual immersive exhibition like you said um and also i'm doing commercial work i produce content for different charities i give them media strategy i advise them how to make content and that's what i do now in my life um still involved in content creation in some in different capacities um but inshallah the um, you know i'm look forward to the future for bigger and more important things inshallah uh haji amir uh, thank you for your time uh, inshallah the viewers the listeners um will enjoy this podcast like i have um and we pray for your success in whatever you go on to achieve inshallah And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you and your family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.